Welcome back to Working Faith, where we take a spiritual approach to career success. I'm your host, Jalen Isley, and today we're talking about career advancement, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest, Della Duncan. So Della is a renegade economist who hosts the Upstream podcast, inviting you to unlearn everything you thought you knew about economics. She's also a right livelihood coach, a senior fellow of social and economic equity at the International Inequalities Institute in the London School of Economics, the course development manager of Fritjof Capra's Capra course on the system's view of life, a senior lecturer at the California Institute of Integral Studies and Gaia, a co-founder of the California Donut Economics Coalition, and as if everything else wasn't amazing, <laughs> she is an alternative economics consultant. So Della, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So good to be with you. I love the theme of your podcast and what you're offering. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much too. I'm so glad to have you here. So curious about just your career journey and how your spirituality ties into that. So we are not going to keep the audience waiting too much longer. We'll just jump right into things. So this show is all about leveraging the spiritual principles of our faith to positively impact the workplace and grow our careers. So let's talk about your, your faith journey. I know you identify as eco-spiritual slash Buddhist, which I love. What are some of the core principles or tenets of that faith? Yes, this really comes from, I've gone on kind of an upstream journey in my life, that metaphor being upstream to the root causes of the challenges of our time. And like challenges like climate change or inequality or houselessness. And when I've gone upstream, I've found that these are deeply spiritual issues that we're facing. Mm. And so it's that upstream journey that has led me to being Buddhist and eco-spiritual. So some of the tenets of that are rethinking who we are as individuals. So seeing us as people, not just here to make ends meet, but to contribute to the world. So having purpose and passion and a sense of service and contribution. That's one tenant or aspect of this. Another is our relationship with one another. So seeing ourselves as collaborators or seeing a sense of solidarity, of mutual aid, recognizing humanity, you know, decolonizing our minds, in my work, really thinking of the global South and how that is impacting or playing out in our work. So really thinking in terms of the global perspective of us as humans. And then thirdly, thinking about who we are in relation to the more than human world. So to nature or to ecology and seeing ourselves as part of a web of life, seeing animals and plants and mountains and, and, and streams as alive and also having intrinsic value beyond usefulness to humans and seeing ourselves as related to the more than human world and seeing the human world, the more than human world as worthy of thriving and of respect and of, of you know, life sustaining qualities as well as the human world. So I'd say those are a few of the tenets of eco-spirituality and Buddhist thinking and philosophy that I love to think about. Nice. You know, when, when you think about some of the things that you just shared, how have they shaped who you are today as an economist? Yeah, I I think of, again, the challenges of our time. I think of a lot of those challenges as being caused by the assumptions in mainstream economic thinking. Hmm. So in current mainstream economic thinking, what one might read in a mainstream economic textbook or in the business section of a newsletter, a newspaper, is that 
we as humans want to grow. Like that's our goal is to grow our money, uh, to grow our economies um, and to grow profit. Like that's our goal. And that doesn't really allow for the multifacetedness of us as humans, that there are other things that we care about and are important to us, such as our health and our ways that we contribute or the ways that we're of service to one another. It also doesn't take into the fact that maybe we don't always want to grow. Maybe we can have a sense of enoughness or a sense of contentedness or gratitude for that which we have. So I rethink that in terms of our mainstream economic thinking when I bring in this eco-spiritual lens. Another is how we view, again, our relationship with the more than human world. Right now in mainstream economic thinking, the more than human world or nature is seen as resources or, Hmm. you know, like natural resources and that a tree has worth financially when it's dead, when it's wood and has more worth when it's dead as wood than it does if it's alive. And that we can commodify animals, plants, ecosystems, right? And that they don't have any worth unless they could be utilized and exploited by us as humans. So an eco-spiritual view of economics would say, hey, actually, nature is sacred. Hey, actually, a mountain is a beautiful thing that we ought to preserve. A forest is a beautiful thing that we ought to preserve. And so to rethink our relationship with the more than human world and to value the more than human world beyond its usefulness to humans. This is another thing that mm-hmm. I would like to invite us to rethink when we think about mainstream economic thinking. And when we do, I think they would lead to a very different economic reality, one in which humans and the natural world are thriving more so than just surviving. Hmm. You know, you you mentioned something, um, this concept of enoughness. And I think that is a shift that people are starting to experience more and more, especially post-COVID world. People are experiencing this mental shift in terms of what success looks like, what wholeness and wellness looks like. And I remember seeing someone, they posted it on LinkedIn. They said something to the effect of, I'm not trying to climb your corporate ladder. I just want to show up, contribute to my role, and then go home and enjoy my family and friends or or something to that extent. And the comments were mixed. (laughs) Some people were saying, yes, exactly. And then other people, they disagreed with that approach and felt like this person lacked ambition and they weren't a valuable member of society if they were not trying to climb the corporate ladder. So I think, you know, your point about shifting the mindset around some of these constructs that have endured for so long, but are not are not necessarily truth or, or you know, the basis of our existence, I think is really, really powerful. And you do, you, you can't help but to show up to work differently when you, when you orient your mind or anchor it to a different truth. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. Are there any particular professional values that you have developed over time by like through this mindset shift? Yeah, let me let me expand on what you were talking about with enoughness by way of professional values. Sure. Um, so I met someone named Rob Hopkins who once told me he said, you know, I want my son to grow to a certain height and then I want him to stop growing. <laughs> right? Mm, and then I want mm-hmm. him to grow in other ways. Right? Mm. His interests or qualities of character or how much he gives, right? And so I think about this in terms of 
career advancement as well, because unfortunately, many of our needs that we have as humans, we need to meet in financialized ways, right? A lot of us have to pay rent or mortgage. We have to buy our food. We have to pay for daycare, our healthcare needs, et cetera. So we need money to survive. And there's a famous example called the Kahneman curve, which shows that money and happiness are correlated up to a certain amount. Mm -hmm. So it means like more money does equal more happiness until a certain amount Hmm. and then it plateaus. So what this tells me is that if you're below that amount of enoughness, then more money would be more helpful for you to, to help you make you happier. There are so many people, especially in the United States who are precarious or who are in debt or who don't have enough money to live well. Okay. So, but this curve also says there's a point of enoughness. And in the Kahneman curve, it was about $100,000 per family of four. Mm-hmm. So that was, but that was a few years ago. And it also needs to be, you know, changed due to place, right? Different places right. have different amounts. But I, I say that because I wonder for folks listening, if a professional value is how much is enoughness financially? And then once you reach that enoughness, what are the other ways that you want to grow and develop? And so there may be other aspects of your life, like your activism or your service or other ways you contribute. Maybe there's a cause you care about Um, or even in your work. Like there may be other things like you want to have more balance of work life or you want to spend more time with your family. So I just that's one way I would reframe that sense of enoughness or contentedness within a professional values frame. Does that Hmm. make sense? That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And let's let's continue with that, you know, because I, I certainly want to delve a bit more into career advancement. It's so important to so many people. There is this financial aspect of it, but I will just, I'll share my own personal example. It got to a point in my career where I wasn't motivated by money. I wasn't motivated by a particular title either. Even the thought of a promotion didn't necessarily motivate me. My goal was to create effective tools and resources that actually contributed to the success of the organization. And so I was willing to take different paths in order to do what I valued the most and what I was most passionate about. But can you share an example of like a work challenge or an opportunity related to career advancement in which you relied on these spiritual principles to guide your behavior? Yes. The the example I give is what if career advancement was better aligning our values our our spiritual values with our work. Mm. So, so many people come to me as a coach and say, the, my values as like a person of faith or in my spiritual practice are not aligned with what I do in my work. There, there's a discordance, or I feel like I have to leave my spiritual values or my faith behind when I enter the workplace. Okay. So then there's this path of doing a few things. One is changing workspaces from within. And I really appreciate that you talk about this. Like, how do we bring ethics and spiritual practices of kindness, compassion, well-being? Mm -hmm. How do we bring that into supply chains and into HR and into how we work together? Decision-making, right? Transparency. There's many places. So some folks, one example is they change workplaces from within to better align with their values as as a spiritual person or as a human, right? And then other people say, I can't change this structure. Like this company or this organization is toxic or the values are just really not aligning and every day feels like a battle. So then those folks tend to leave and they create something else that is Hmm. more in alignment with their values. And sometimes it's about culture and other times it's about structure. 
So there's all these beautiful examples of workplaces that are, for example, bringing in more horizontal governance so that people have more say over their work. People can be a part of the decisions that their work is impacted by and that their work is related to. So there's a move from going from for-profit businesses to worker cooperatives. That's one model. And then another is in nonprofits moving to worker self-directed nonprofits. So I just offer that as like one example of how people are starting to better align the values that they care about, values like humanity, compassion, kindness, transparency, democracy. They're aligning those with the structures of the businesses and organizations that they work in. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And, you know, that is part of the reason why we're having this conversation here. We want people to understand that, one, you're not, you know, you're not alone. Like there are a lot of people who are looking for ways to not have to leave their their spirituality or their core essence at home when they walk through the doors of their organization. Like they're actively looking for ways to incorporate more of that because it's stressful when you have to leave a part of yourself behind (laughs) and go into an environment. It's stressful. And to your point, someone either leaves it and creates something new or hopefully there's space um, and opportunity for someone to create that structure that better aligns with who they are. And I definitely think career success defined in those in those terms is is something that's so special and powerful. So with that in mind, do you feel like there is something that people can do, not necessarily waiting for the next promotion or not necessarily waiting for the next opportunity to come up? Is there anything that people can do to prepare themselves on a regular basis for career advancement by leaning into their spirituality? What's your recommendation on that? Yeah, one thing that's coming up for me is we are attentive to what we measure, right? We Hmm. are attentive to what we measure. So this goes back to like, what's important to you right now? And we are holistic beings, right? Money and, and wealth and growth of money is not the only thing that's important to us. Although, as I said, it can make a huge difference in our lives. So what are all the elements that are important to you? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's having spiritual community and friendship. Maybe it's alignment of your spiritual values and your work. Maybe it's time with family. Maybe it's a, you know, a hobby that you're interested in or like being creative. So we have all these elements to our life. They're holistic measurement, right? And then I would ask, like, how could you seek to grow those areas that you want to put your attention on? You know, like Hmm. if you're not feeling in good health, how could you place more attention on that? If you're feeling not very close with your family or your friends, how could you place more attention on that? And I think that would then give folks a sense of that holistic career advancement where our work Hmm. is supporting our holistic selves, our overall well-being, because work can serve to help those elements of our life, you know, but it can also detract. So if we're thinking more holistically, then we can identify what needs to grow and then we could put our attention towards what matters for us right now in our lives. I think that makes so much sense. And then you get a greater sense of fulfillment. You don't have to wait for someone to hand you a new title or uh, a pay increase or a new benefit or perk. Like you are creating that sense of fulfillment and success right in your world today. And definitely, you know, the more that you start to proactively create that, the more you attract (laughs) that to you. You know, people can't help but to see that you're moving in a different space and a different energy. Um, And it'll probably show up at work whether you intend it to or not. What do you think? Do you think that that, you know, takes place when someone shifts their focus on other areas? 
Do you think that there is an opportunity for that to have an effect on how they interact when they're at work? Absolutely. And that's one thing I really love from your introduction episode was you, you said something like people of faith are often really valued in workplaces. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like their spiritual investment and the fact that they're in spiritual communities and they're reflecting and maybe they have practices of ritual or, you know, connection with their faith that when they come into the workplace, they're probably more resilient and grounded and trustworthy and kind and Mm. great to work with, right? So I do think thinking holistically and practicing self-care and investing in our spiritual lives does help us in our workspaces. So I definitely say that. I also want to offer one thing around career advancement too, that I love expanding the definition of what is career, what is work. Mm right? Mm. I just want to validate that many folks listening to us may be parents or caretakers of elderly or people with special needs. They might be activists, they might be artists. So I just want to offer that one one thing that I like to do is I like to rethink work as all the ways that we contribute, right? And I think of it as a livelihood garden and that we have many different plants in our livelihood garden. One of them is our paid work and that Mm -hmm. bears certain fruit like financial fruit. But then we may also be a part of a a congregation or a a spiritual community. And there's ways that we volunteer and we contribute there. There's ways that we do activism or parenting or care work or gardening, right? So I just want to offer that expansion of what is work and what is career to all the ways that we contribute to society. Because in that way, then we can see our holistic well-being as being a part of all these different things that we do to contribute, that they all play different roles and they all bear different fruit in terms of value to our lives. I think that's excellent and such sage advice here. And you have at this point, especially, you know, with I don't want to say that this particular period in time is any different than other period in time. I feel like a lot of people always say, oh, there's there's so much craziness going on in the world. There's always something going on, you know, in the world. Uh, but I will say that what's unique about this time is our access to so many different people and perspectives and ways of life that really allow us to grow in unexpected ways. So I am growing just as a result of this conversation here in terms of my mindset shift and where I put my focus. Someone else might hear another conversation and and previously would have had no exposure to that. And now we're in a world where we can have that connection and see that growth. So I'm just really grateful for that. And I'm so glad that you were able to kind of simplify what it means to elevate career success, not necessarily by climbing a corporate ladder, but expanding your definition of what it means to be successful and even expanding your definition of what it means to have a career. This isn't just about the paid work that you do. This is about how you contribute to this world. And that certainly gives people a a different level of ownership and a stronger charge to give their best selves on a regular basis. Uh, So with that in mind, I do want to spend some time talking about spiritual wellness. So over the past few years, we've seen more companies investing in the well-being of their team members, which is great. And normally the focus is on mental and emotional health, but I consider spirituality to be such a core part of someone's well-being. are there specific practices you use to maintain your spiritual health and well-being? Yes, there are. I have a full uh, ritual that I do every morning. And I love <laughs> this idea of ritual is habit made sacred. So hmm. 
I, I do a few things. I personally, I meditate. I do like a focus meditation, a like insight or reflective meditation. And then I do a meta, like a loving kindness meditation, like wishing well, well-being on all beings and people in my life. I do a dance practice called five rhythms, which is mm. um, just helps my body move through a rhythm and also helps me connect as an embodied being. I think that's important. Um, I do a journaling practice each morning and I also engage in like regular retreats that that support mm. me and then I'm in a few different spiritual communities. So I'd say those are the ways that I um, cultivate resilience and mm. cultivate a deeper sense of compassion for myself and for others and really continue to deepen my commitment to service. So I, I'll, I'll offer that. One thing that does come up too when I hear your question is I've had two conversations that are really related to this topic of spirituality in our workplaces. One of them was with a man named Ron Purser, who wrote a book called Nick Mindfulness, How Mindfulness Became the New Capitalist Spirituality. Mm. And I just thought it might be interesting for your listeners, because what it is, is it's when our workplaces bring in spiritual practices like mindfulness, when are the times when they're bringing it in for us and for our well-being and like they really want us to feel good? And when are they bringing it in to make us more complacent or to kind of pacify us or make us more able to work harder with less pay or, you know, exploit us in a way? His book offers that question. Interesting. So just invite that, right? Like when can our spiritual practices be co-opted for the profit maximization of certain corporate entities? And when are they done in respectful ways, both to the lineages, right? Like not culturally appropriating mm -hmm. and also really for us as individuals. And then one other conversation was with a woman named Carolyn Chen, who wrote a book called Work, Pray, Code. And her, her offering is like, there's been a decline of spiritual spaces like church attendance, for example, all over the world. And she says it's because more people are becoming devoted to their work. So workplaces are becoming places where people are devoting to their work mm. and bringing their full spiritual selves in, which in her mind is a negative thing because what it means is people are, are investing less in their communities. And mm. so people are leaving church spaces, which are community spaces of mutual aid and connection and community. And now they're bringing their full selves into their work, which uh, you and I might say, great to bring your full self into work. But for her, it's like, there's a worry that, you know, if workplaces become the center of our lives, do our families and our spiritual spaces and our communities, our neighborhoods, do they start to lose out? So I just want to invite those, those ideas as we have this conversation, because I thought you might find them interesting. I definitely do. I've already written down my notes to go and get these books immediately. I, I'm so curious to understand their take on things. The first book that you mentioned about mindfulness Mick and mindfulness. Make yeah, mindfulness. Yeah, that is certainly interesting. I would encourage people to take better ownership of their rituals and their investment in their well-being uh, and make sure that it is unique and, and impactful to them. So you just threw out like a number of different ways to connect with yourself through these ritualistic practices from dancing to journaling to meditation. You know, there are so many different ways that people can do that. And so 
anyone who's listening, I just encourage you to kind of think through what resonates as true to you, what is impactful to your own experience um, as opposed to a trend, and really invest in that practice to fortify your spirit and also, you know, kind of magnify your presence wherever you go, whether it's work, whether it's in the community, whether it's with your family and friends, you know, that that sacred time with yourself really does make a difference. And and I'll have to look into this mindfulness. That is so interesting, as well as the work, pray, code. Is that the name of the second book, work, pray, code? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, Della, we are at the top of the hour here with our podcast. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show today. How can people stay connected with you? You know, is there anything that you want to share? Yes. Uh, the if, if folks would love to additionally listen to another podcast besides Working Faith, um, which I hope folks subscribe to and listen to regularly, I host a podcast called The Upstream Podcast, which is really about the economic challenges of our time and these upstream root cause solutions. So that's upstreampodcast.org. And it's also available on any podcast platform. Just make sure it's the one about economics because as Jalen and I spoke about, there are a couple. And then my personal website is delazyduncan.com. And that is where you can find out about by donation, right livelihood coaching, um, as well as retreats and courses and other things that I lead as well. So I would love for folks to connect if you want any more resources or any thoughts on that. I'm happy to be in community with you. Splendid. Well, thank you for sharing with us today. And thank you all for listening to Working Faith. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all the show notes, information about Della, and this is most important, the link to submit your own career questions because we want to start answering some of those in future podcasts. All of those details can be found on the website, workingfaith.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this show with others. I'd love to hear your comments. You can engage directly with me by joining the Working Faith group on LinkedIn. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with more tips on how you can take a spiritual approach to career success and work your faith. Good day.